Hey friends, welcome to the Find Your Tove podcast. I'm Dr. Henry Graff. This is episode 26. I'm calling it Heart. And this is in a series called Align. What's going on in Align is we're looking at what in the Old Testament of the Bible was called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. Right, So the start of the commandment is about oneness. It's about unity. It's about unity in diversity, in plurality. Then the command goes on to love that God, that unified God, with all your heart, soul, and strength. When Jesus, thousands of years later, was asked, what do you say the greatest commandment is? He quoted that command and added mind. And so this Align series were kicking back and forth between the Shema and between four looks. Last episode, episode 25, we talked about look down and ask, where are you? And I suggested we ask, where is my heart? Where is my soul? Where is my strength? Where is my mind? This episode, I want to dig in just a little bit to what heart meant in the ancient world and what it looks like to align, how understanding where our heart is helps us to align. I should start off with this. I have been a pastor for 12 years. I've helped churches across the nation, actually around the world. I've been in ministry full-time for, wow, 27 years. I don't say that to drop credentials, but to say I have gotten to talk to a lot of people. And one thing I hear over and over is I don't know how to read the Bible. One of the reasons the Bible confuses people, very few of us were taught how to read it. Now that sounds odd because we were taught how to read, we were taught how to sound out words and put together sentences. That's not what I'm talking about. When we approach it, we have to approach it as literature. If you were watching a movie, there's certain things you look for in a movie. If you're watching a spaghetti western, the dude in the white hat is the good guy and the dude in the black hat is a bad guy. That's just the way that movie works. If you're watching a space movie, there's certain rules in that movie. If you're reading science fiction, there's certain rules in that. One of the first things when I started to really learn to read the Bible is I realized there were two major things going on. One was the law, the rules. And that had a purpose, that had a reason for being there, that had a set of things that it was trying to do. So the fact that this is a command or a commandment means that it falls under that category of law. And when we read the law in the Bible, what we want to do is remember that the law, it has a certain purpose. Actually, it has three main things that the law, the commandments, the rules are always doing. The first, I don't know if you've been to Disney World or Disneyland. There's the Tomorrowland Speedway. It's a racetrack. 
The first day they were open, there's actually a picture that Sammy Davis Jr., Sammy Davis Jr. from the Rat Pack, they let him drive because it was a theme park. It was an amusement park. The problem is, if you don't know this, Sammy Davis Jr. is blind. He should not be driving. He drove the Tomorrowland Speedway car totally off the track. There was a huge wreck. After that, what they did at Tomorrowland Speedway, because the goal was to let kids or Sammy Davis Jr., people who normally don't drive, drive. But what they have is this guide, this curb. It's a big piece of metal that runs down the middle of the track. So you can go a little bit to the right and you can go a little bit to the left, but you can't go off track. The first part of the law the first part of the commandments, that's what it is. One of the reasons there's the law is to keep us on track, to give us a guide. Life is just better if everybody follows the law. So when we look at the biblical laws, we're not just talking the Ten Commandments. It shows up through all kinds of different ways. But let's take the Ten Commandments. Life is just better. There's a higher quality of life if you don't steal. Don't steal is a better way to live than to live in a society where people are stealing. To not have to constantly be worrying about what do I do with my stuff, how do I protect my stuff, is a better world to live in than a world where you have to worry about your stuff. This isn't just for individuals. This is for society overall. If everybody obeyed the rule, we'd live in a better society. I just saw a thing on Amazon that there are Amazon stores, grocery stores, popping up where to curb stealing, you scan your card when you walk into the store and it videotapes you the entire time you're in the store. Anything you pick up and put in your bag, you're charged for. They say that this could eliminate stealing altogether. The cost to set this up is exorbitant, but it, it would save money in the long run. That's just one example that if we live by the law, life is just better. The problem is, when we really start to understand the rules, when we really start to understand the law, we realize that everything is Tovin Ra. Everything has mixed motives. Everybody falls short of the way they're supposed to act. I'm not saying everybody goes into a place and steals. I am saying that there's times where we have all done things that don't live up to the law when we're completely honest. That's another one of the purposes when you really look at the Bible and start understanding it. Another purpose of the law, another purpose of the command, another purpose of the rule is supposed to be a mirror. It's so easy to look at our lives through a funhouse mirror that we warp reality, we warp our sense of self. In psychology, it's actually called the self-serving bias. That is, when I do something wrong, I did it wrong for a good reason. When you do something wrong, you're a bad person. That's the basic. The thing is, we all do it. We all operate through a funhouse mirror 
thinking that what we do can somehow be justified even when it's wrong. Another purpose of the law is just a mirror to hold it up and to go, hold on, I've contributed to society's problems. I'm not perfect. None of us are. Even though this series is saying align and how do you get aligned, one of the starting points is looking in the mirror and going, I'm just not aligned. Let me put that a different way. We have these, well, let's go back to the theme park. If you've ever gone to a theme park, there's rides and it says you must be this tall to enter. There's a, a thing and if you're not that tall, you can't enter. The reason for that is really simply it's safety. If you're shorter than that, that mark, the ride won't hold you in properly. You could get hurt. They're built for safety. And if you're not at least that tall, you can get hurt. And yet time after time, if you watch people at amusement parks, children that are too short to ride, they'll be standing on their tippy toes. They'll be trying to get in. Parents will get mad at the attendant. One of the purposes of the law is to go, you must be this tall to ride. And the fact is, if we want a utopian, perfect society, everybody needs to be this tall and we're all too short. Life is going to hurt all of us and we've all contributed to the hurt in life. So yes, part of the law is to keep us on track, but part of the law is to show us that none of us are on track, that we've all contributed to that hurt. That's, that's called the law. And when you approach the Bible, when you read the stories, it's really important to ask that question. Is this a story that's trying to highlight the law? Is this a story that's trying to be a curb, a mirror, or a guide? I've heard it said before that the Bible is the basic instructions before leaving earth, that it's an acronym. I'm, I'm not quite sure that everything is. I read some of the stories in the Old Testament and people did horrible, bad things. I read of the disciples in the New Testament and they fell short time and time again. Those aren't instructions. That's pictures of the law. So I used to tell people, no, no, the Bible's easy to read, but it's not because sometimes we're reading things that are intended to be the law, but they're not just straight up commandments. They're not, what is the greatest commandment of all these? They're stories that illustrate the law. So when we're talking about the Shema, that Old Testament love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, we've got to remember it's a commandment. When we align our heart, our soul, and our strength, or to put it the way Jesus did, they say it's a commandment. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. When we're talking about aligning, when we're talking about getting on the same page, when we're talking about lining up, we have to remember that that's working in the law the same way that if people don't steal, people don't kill, people don't commit adultery, we have a higher quality of life, we have a better functioning society. Yes, that's totally true. That's that curb. It keeps us in line. 
we also have to remember that when we look at it, when we look at how our heart, soul, strength, and mind are aligned, that we can't use a funhouse mirror. We can't warp the reality. We've got to own that there are times where my heart, my soul, my strength, and my mind, I want them to be aligned, and they're not. That's one of the reasons that we look at it. Yes, if you want to get somewhere, you align your heart, soul, strength, and mind, but none of us can perfectly. That's the law. This is why the Bible is such an amazing book, is there's another part of the Bible, and this isn't just the New Testament. The word in Greek is euangelion. It means good news. Sometimes it gets translated gospel. The good news is this, that even though you've fallen short, even though you are tov and ra, you've lived your tov in such a way that it keeps tov from living. I have, you have, everybody has. Even though we've messed up, the gospel is that God still loves you. God still loves you. God looks at you and goes, I want to spend eternity with you. Yes, you've fallen short. Yes, you've messed up. I'll take care of that. That's the story of Jesus. God leaving heaven and becoming a person, living a tove life, never letting Ra creep in. In fact, taking on the raw, taking on the oppression, taking on the hurt, taking on the pain, suffering and dying to defeat Ra, to defeat evil, to defeat suffering and pain. That's the gospel. And so when we look at the Bible, we read it through that lens of law and gospel. I come from the Lutheran tribe and Luther, Martin Luther wrote that if anybody can properly distinguish between law and gospel, they should instantly be awarded a doctorate in the church. It's just that hard sometimes when we're reading the Bible. And so if you've ever looked at the Bible and said, man, this is hard to read. I don't understand it. Oh, please know you are in good, good company. So as we're looking at the Shema in this podcast and we're saying align, please realize that I'm going to go back to life is better when you align. When you align heart, soul, strength, and mind, it is a better quality of life than when you don't. But don't miss the rest of the law, that we're all going to fall short. We're all going to misalign. We're all going to go off track. And when you're convicted by the law, and this is what I found in my experience, most people feel shame. They feel guilt. They know that they're misaligned. When that happens, return to the gospel. Return to the fact that the law is not the end of the story. Return to the fact that Jesus loves you. That's what we learned as little kids. If you grew up in church, there is one song that you heard. Even my non-churched friends usually remember, Jesus loves me, this I know. 
And even though we remember the song, so often we forget the facts. You are already loved. Because of Jesus on the cross, you are already forgiven. That's the gospel. That's what we strive to step more and more and more into. This is the point of churches gathering together because we're going to fall short and we need a place to be reminded that we are loved, we are forgiven, we are grace has been given and we receive it. We never work for it, we work from it. And so wherever you are, if you're beating yourself up over something right now that you've messed up on, hear those words, you are forgiven, you are loved. I love saying it this way. You already have the grace. You already have the love. You never work for it. When we align, we're not aligning so that we can be more loved. We're aligning in response to the fact that we are already loved. And so today we're jumping into heart. And here's why. In the ancient world, heart did not mean emotion. Today, when I say heart, I mean emotion. When I say I love my wife with all of my heart, I'm, I'm usually talking an emotional type of love. That makes sense. That's what it means today. In the ancient world, if they wanted to talk about emotion, they talked about soul. We'll talk about the difference between heart and soul in a couple episodes when we dig into the differences there and what it means to live with soul and what it means to align soul with strength and mind. For now, it's important to remember that heart means will. Heart means the choices we make. My friend Bob Ronglian, he wrote a book called Experiential Worship. This was before he did footsteps. This was before he did 3DM. This is before he got into discipleship coaching. Bob wrote this book called Experiential Worship. In it, he explains how in the ancient world, heart means will. What's your will? What do you want? This is where we see the law lived out so well because when we're honest, we usually want multiple things at the same time. I want A and B. Sometimes we've learned to play the game well enough that we say we want what we think will get us what we want when we know it's not really what we want. That was a really convoluted, complicated sentence. But we know how to play the game. We know how to tell people, I want this, but really we want something completely different. There's a thing and there's a thing behind the thing. It's amazing what happens when you start with will. What do you want? So the man I call dad is technically my stepfather. When I was eight years old, my best friend lived across the street from me and I had him come to my birthday party. When dad, I call him dad now, when Jerry walked Marshall across the street to my birthday party, he asked my mom out on a date. And legend has it that mom said, oh, I don't know what I'd do with my kids. And dad said, 
well, Henry hangs out here all the time with my mom anyway. They can just, she can watch him when we go out. And my mom didn't know what to say to that. And so they went on their first date. And less than a year later, they were married. From that point on, dad raised me as his own. At that point, we lived in Colorado and we ended up moving to Indiana. When we did, dad negotiated his contract so that we could take an epic trip, six, maybe eight weeks, drive through Canada and end up in Alaska. I was so enamored with this trip, I wrote my first ever research paper on Alaska. The trip never happened with the whole family as us kids got involved in our things. Dad and mom did get to go on an Alaskan cruise and see Alaska. And, oh, I still have all of the pictures he took. But from that paper as a kid, I got intrigued by a race called the Iditarod. It's a dog sled race just shy of a thousand miles across Alaska. What I love now about the Iditarod is... These dogs are leashed together. They're harnessed together. They're pulling in the same direction. In 2021, a new record was set in this thousand mile race happened in just shy of seven days because they've become more and more aligned. Can you imagine dogs running that fast if one of them was pulling in a major different direction, if one of them saw a squirrel and went after it to the right, the entire dog sled team would tumble and fall. Dogs and people would get hurt. If a dog was even misaligned, if it had a, a toenail that got infected and it was limping just a little bit to the right or to the left, it would take so much extra energy, misaligned, pulling in a different direction, that the dog team may not finish the race. They just get exhausted. How many of us, if we're honest, were exhausted because our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind are not going the same direction? As a nation, People are tired because we're going in different directions. So many churches that I've worked with, they're exhausted because they're pulling in different directions. But we don't start in a national or global level. We don't even start at the local or church level. We start looking at ourselves and aligning our own heart, soul, strength, and mind, the harness in this metaphor. The thing that keeps the dogs together is the heart. What do you want? And yes, this is the law. This is a guide. This is a mirror. This is a ruler. We're all going to fall short of alignment. That's where the gospel comes in. Even when you fall short, you are still loved. God hasn't given up on you. You are still Tov. Even though you step into Ra sometimes, Tov is still at the roots. Not only are you still loved, you can also realign. As we're aligning, 
as we're taking this journey of alignment together, I encourage you to start with the question, what do you want? Now, a final thought. It's easy to talk about alignment and there is benefit in aligning heart, soul, strength, and mind no matter what you're aiming at. If you put your heart, soul, strength, and mind together, you are going to get further than anything else. What's intriguing is what Jesus says to align to. We can align to all kinds of different things. Jesus encourages us, align and align toward, let your north star, let your guiding compass be loving God. And the way you do that is by loving others. I've started this podcast with a presumption that the people that are listening, they already agree with that. They're already going, of course. That's just when I look at the data. If you're sitting here listening and you're you're going, I don't buy into that story. I, I can't suspend my disbelief there. I'd love to have a, a chat with you. I'd love to talk with you through this, whether that's coaching or whether that's just a phone call. What I'd encourage you is actually, if you want to find out what your God is, ask what you're aligned to. When we get honest with what do I want, it will show us who or what our gods are. That could very well be one reason people don't ask the question, what do I want? Because it's really hard to get honest about that. But until we get honest, until we say, here's where my heart is, it's almost impossible to align your soul, your strength, and your mind to that. Alignment is such an important part of finding and living your tov. We're going to continue this journey in the next several episodes, bouncing between the Shema and the four looks. And as we do, grace and peace.